thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henley. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Daniel. And Daniel's in the Old Testament. It's pretty easy to find. If you open your Bible in the middle, you should be in Psalms or Proverbs, and it goes Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 11 is our text. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 11 And the title of our message is, Your Life Says Something. Your Life Says Something. Daniel chapter 6, hopefully you're there. I always uh, am the last one to get there to give you more time. Verse 1, it begins this way. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now, before we dive into the rest of this passage, I just want to give us real quick kind of the outline of of the thought here in verses 1 through 11. And the outline of the thought kind of goes like this in verses 1 through 3. We're going to see the position of Daniel in this new kingdom. And then in verses 4 through 9, we're going to see a plot develop against Daniel. And then in verses 10 through 11 we are going to see the predictable prayer life of Daniel. So position, plot, prayer, that's, that's the flow. And so as we begin here in verses 1 through 3, we are going to see what Daniel's position is in this new emerging kingdom called Medo-Persia. Verse 1 again, it pleased Darius. Now, I do want to remind us, you know, Darius has now come to power because remember we saw last week how Darius defeated Belshazzar and the Babylonian kingdom came to an end. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And so here we're going to see the leadership structure of Medo-Persia described to us. And the first thing that we see here is that underneath Darius, the king, is there are these 120 satraps, or another word for satrap is simply princes. So we're more familiar with that term. And so these men were of noble birth. They were the nobility of Persia, And they would govern over their given provinces in the authority of the king. And so they would collect taxes and they would, you know, keep the the rule of law in the kingdom. Verse 2 continues. And over them, three high officials of whom, what? Daniel was one. And so we, we have these 120 satraps that are under Darius, but actually there's, there's another, another level there. Those 120 satraps actually report to three top high officials 
that then those three top high officials directly report to Darius. And, and one of those three top high officials is Daniel. And so when it comes to the tier of leadership, you know, Daniel is at the very top. Verse 2 continues. To whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer what? No loss. That is, we find out here that not all these satraps were honest. Hard to believe. (laughs) Some of them were corrupt. (laughs) Some of them were using their position to increase their own wealth, and they were skimming off the top of what should go to the king. Verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And so Daniel, he did such a good job in his position here that Darius' plan was, I mean, the word was out, that he was going to make Daniel second in command only to himself. And so Daniel here is working in a totally secular environment. And yet God blessed him. Listen, the way that he worked, uh, the way that he lived, he, he shined above all the rest that was around them. And so You know, listen, likewise, uh, most of you, most of us uh, work in a pagan environment and, and, you know, you are surrounded by idolaters. You're, You're surrounded by people who do not know God. And listen, you are in that company. You are in that position. You are in that job, listen, to represent God just like Daniel. And so listen, how, how you work, how you live your life says something about who you belong to and, and whose you are. And, and so listen, uh, you are not working for a paycheck. Do we understand that? Listen, someone in that company might sign that check for you and take care of that. But if you are a Christian, you are not working for that paycheck. You are working for the Lord. You are doing your work in that place as unto your God. That is who you're looking to. That is who you're bringing it into account. You are signing your day. Lord, I did my best today in your name. I am working for you. And so listen, when we work with integrity and and with honesty and, and with hard work, you know, people notice that. And that's the way that Daniel lived. And, and here, Daniel, he is 85 years old and he's still bringing it hot, man. He is still, he's still being faithful. That is, remember back in chapter one, back in chapter one, when, when Daniel first arrived in Babylon, he was a teenager. 
And remember, he, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And so listen, here he is as an old man, and he is still purposing in his heart that he will only honor God. And so listen, he, be, he began faithful, and listen, he is finishing faithful. And that is an incredible testimony. But listen, I don't want us to miss something. And that is this. If Daniel can do it, then we can do it. And that is one of the reasons that God has put this in his word to let us know, you and me, what it looks like for us to live in a secular culture. What could be and should be in my life and in your life as we operate in a world that is against God, doesn't believe God, and is totally secular. Take a look at verse 3 again. I, I want to highlight uh, a few things for us in this verse that are significant. It says again, then this Daniel became, became what? Distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, and this is important, because what? An excellent spirit was in him. That is the saying, you know, when it says Daniel was distinguished, it's saying that the way that he worked and served the king, it, it stood out. That the way that he did things, that how he did things, it, it set him apart from all the rest. And it was super, super obvious. That is, Daniel had an external mark on his life that made him different from all the rest. That, that is, the way that he did his job, he far exceeded expectations. And then it says, you know, this visible trait that was in Daniel's life, this, this manifested trait, this, this thing that everybody saw, it was attributed to an excellent spirit that was in him. And what was that spirit? Go ahead. The Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. And so likewise, there is no greater testimony, listen, for us, that the Holy Spirit would be within us. That we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we would be walking with the Holy Spirit in such a way that it's obvious, that people take note. In fact, it must be obvious. If we are filled with the Spirit, it will be seen in our lives. That is, listen, we, we actually show up to work on time. <laughs> hey, man, 
we, we want to work. I mean, that's the thing today. I mean, do people even want to work? We, we show up to work on time. We, we do our job. In fact, we go above and beyond. We, we far exceed the expectation. We're honest. We're faithful. We have a good attitude. We, we help others around us. And listen, we're not lazy. That is, listen, if, if you're a clock watcher, if you're always looking how to, how, how to get out of something, if you're always looking to cut corners, listen, if you got no ambition and no creativity, you're, you're bringing the minimum, baby. People will take note of that as well. And so do your job as unto the Lord. Do your job. Work in such a way, my brothers and sisters, myself included, that everyone sees that there is an excellent spirit within us working for the glory of God, that his spirit, his power, his presence is manifested in the thing that we do 10 to 12 hours a day. And listen, if you, if you do that, um, Sometimes you'll, you'll get promoted. Sometimes that's rewarded. You know, there's uh, good employers who will reward that. But, you know, other times uh, you'll, you're going to be persecuted. <laughs> that is, your work ethic will make everybody else around you angry. Anybody? Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> uh, why are you working so hard? We got all day, man. We get paid the same way. Like, like, dude, pace yourself, right? What are you doing here? You're making us look bad. Anybody work with people like that? Do your job as unto the Lord. You sign your name at the end of the day to Jesus and him alone. Well, we've seen kind of the position of Daniel in this new kingdom in verses one through three. And so now we're going to see a plot begin to develop against Daniel because not everybody is so happy with Daniel's work ethic. (laughs) Verse four. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. And so word began to spread hey man, did you hear? Did you, did you hear about Daniel? Did you hear? I, I hear he's getting promoted, man. 
Man, I hear he might be second in the kingdom. You know what that means. Uh, we get passed over, right? We didn't get the job. You know, we're, we're going to lose power. Now, one of the things that we need to understand here is that the fact that, you know, uh, eight, you know, Daniel is 85 years old. And so the idea of this older guy who, listen, is a Jewish fugitive, that these Persian princes, these Persian nobility has to respond to orders from this old guy who's a Jewish slave, that did not sit well with them. Daniel was an outsider. Daniel was not a part of the establishment. He was not in the elite class. And so they began to plot against him, and they began to look, man. And they were looking hard. They were looking at all of his life, and they could not find anything. They, they couldn't find anything to exploit. They couldn't find anything to leverage against him because Daniel was faithful. Now listen, he wasn't perfect. Don't get the wrong picture, but he was consistent in his professional life and in his personal life. And I think we need to note here it's important to go back and note here that Daniel's exemplary life, listen, was not by his own power. That's not what we're talking about. His integrity, the fruit of his life, was not because he's just such a great guy. Nor us, nor me. But his exemplary life was because he lived yielded and totally dependent upon the power of God. He lived by the Holy Spirit. And so listen, when we do the same, when we begin our day yielded to the Spirit, asking for God's power in our lives so that we love well and we serve well and we, we, our eyes are open to what God wants us to do, then listen, His fruit, His fruit begins to bear out in our lives and, and bear out into our family and, and bear out into the workplace. It, it, it becomes that which is the fruit of our life. And listen, you can have the fruit of your flesh or you can have the fruit of the spirit. You can live for your kingdom or you can live for God's kingdom. You can elevate yourself or you can bring glory to God in that job that you go to every single day. You can live for the temporal or you can live for eternity. And sweep in the same floor. And so we are redeemed. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and so we have a different capacity. We have a different life source. We have a different power source that can birth in us 
manifest in us the very fruit of God. Do you understand that? That's a beautiful thing. Daniel had integrity, and so, you know, these officials, they they had two options. They had to, at this point, they couldn't find anything. They either had to falsely accuse him, or they had to set him up, and they chose the latter. So let's take a look at verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground or complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of what? Of lions. And so the satraps and all the high officials, they get together and, and they come before the king and they, they fame this unity. And they say, hey, king, you know, we, we've all been thinking. And that was a lie, right? Not, not everyone, right? Not Daniel. But the impression was, all of us, king, and, and Daniel was the most prominent among them. <laughs> so, hey, king, we've all been talking. We've come up with this great idea, king. And listen, we, we think that this will solidify your kingship. This will secure your kingdom. And so get, get this, king. This is what we think. We think this will help you. We, our suggestion to do to you, all of us, we're all in on this. Our suggestion is that you make a decree that no one can pray or make a petition to any God or man but you for 30 days. <laughs> what do you think, King? Great idea, right? Yeah? Yeah? And listen, King, if, if you like that idea, then we should put some teeth to it and, and let's solidify this thing. Take a look at verse 8. Now, O King, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. That is, you know, make it a law, king. And so as this verse communicates, it was the principle in the Medo-Persian empire that, listen, if a, if a king made a decree and he made it official upon a document and he signed it, then it was unchangeable. You know, the king could not even change it. It was set in stone. Verse 9, therefore King Darius signed the document and injunction. And so listen, the king went for it. They, you know, they flattered his ego. They, they buttered him up on both sides. 
and he fell for the trap. He took the bait, not understanding, not knowing that what was really going on is they were setting up Daniel. And so, so now the document's signed. He, he signed on the dotted line, and now it is illegal to pray to God. Sounds somewhat familiar, does it not? I mean, remember when you could pray in school? Remember when a coach could pray with their team? There are those in America who are pushing very hard to destroy uh, because they're demonically inspired. We, we need to understand that, right? We're in the spiritual conflict. They're, they're pushing very hard with legislation. They're pushing very hard with cultural ideology to erase anything that God says is good and right in our society. And so listen, if you if you just kind of speak your convictions, you know, based, based on the Word of God, no, no matter how gracious and kind you, you are loving and just saying what you think that God would say to someone with what is good and right and loving, your speech is labeled as hate speech. And so in Canada, did you know it's illegal to call homosexuality a sin? Did you know in the, in the Netherlands it's illegal to share your faith? All that stuff is beginning here. And our culture is becoming more and more hostile to the truth. And so listen, that, that is what Daniel is facing here, and it is now illegal for Daniel to pray to God. So what's he going to do? I mean, how's he going to respond? Uh, I mean, let's, let's think about it, you know. I mean, he's, he's in this hugely influential position. He could think, you know what? God put me in this place. I can make more of a difference if I just kind of lay low for 30 days. I mean, I'm not denying my faith. I'm just going to, I'm just going to lay low for 30 days. I'm not going to get political about this thing. I'm not going to push back on this government overreach and be a weirdo. I'm just going to lay low. I'll come back and pray in 30 days. God will understand I'll just pray in my head. Nobody will even know. What's he going to do? How will he respond? And so we've seen in verses 1 through 3, the position of Daniel in this new kingdom. We've now seen the plot that has been developed to take him down And in verses 10 through 11, we are going to see his response, his predictable pattern of prayer unto his God. Verse 10. 
when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done, take note, what? Previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And so listen to Daniel. His one and only flaw was his prayer life. The dude prayed to God three times a day. And they're like, listen, if we can do something with that, we got him. We'll nail him. Now, I'm sure that Daniel prayed more often than that. But he had made it his practice to set aside these three times only for the purpose of praying to his God every single day. He disciplined himself. He made prayer central to his life. He believed in the power of prayer and he was passionate about it. He was on his knees. He wasn't just going through the motions. He was pleading before his God. He was zealous in seeking the throne of his God every single day. Now I wonder I wonder what would happen if we chose to pray to God on our knees three times a day like Daniel. I wonder what might happen in our church. I wonder what battles we would win. I, I wonder what children would be protected. I, I wonder what people would be healed. I wonder how many might come to Christ. I, I wonder if we sought the favor of God together on our knees as our practice, as our discipline, believing in God to move on our behalf. I wonder what might transpire. Is not God waiting for his people to truly love him and seek his face? And are we not dissipated with too many other passions, too many other things that we truly are not seeking our God. But what might happen? What might we see? Would we see God move more in our life? Would we see God move more in our family? Would we see God move more in our church? I think so. Do you not? I think we would. 
In fact, Scripture tells me we would ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. That is a promise. But, but here's the deal. We, we ask, seek, and knock for a whole lot of lesser things harder than we ever pray to God. myself included I'm not I have to fight my flesh too I'm not throwing bombs so listen as we close I want to do two things as a church two responses to this passage one is for the month of June just for the month of June Just for the month of June, I want us as a church together three times a day. Whatever times work for you, three times, bow before God and ask God's favor to move on your life, on your family, on our church. That simple. Now listen, you may not know how to pray, so it takes like that long, okay? You hit the knee. You say what I just said, Lord, bring favor on my life, bring favor on my family, bring favor on my church. In Jesus' name, get up. That's fine. If you're more familiar with prayer, you may take longer. Well, however the Lord leads. I, I, I don't want to give you a time frame. I'm just saying what, and, and you may mix it up depending on your day and that sort of thing. I'm not trying to give some rules here. I'm just asking us all to commit to three times a day for the month of June, to bow on our knees before God. And, and I just got, I got to think there'll be a big smile on God's face as, as all these prayers come, come flying into heaven. Man, there they go, man. Here they come. Here come those prayers. God up there with his divine counsel go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready to answer. I'm looking for a people who love me, who will honor me, who believe in me. I'm just looking for that kind of people. I will move on their behalf. It's a promise. And so I want us to commit to that. And so here's what I want us to think about. I want us to take Gay Pride Month. And turn it into Humility Before God Month. Because as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. So every time you see Gay Pride broadcast, every time you see it, every time you hear it, I want you to be reminded, take a knee. Take a knee and ask for God to move. And maybe you'll do it right there, man. Maybe you'll hear it, Gay Pride Month, taking a knee. Lord, bring your favor. Back up. Hey, there. what were you doing? It's humility before God Month. I was praying for God's favor on my life. You want me to do it for you? Don't be shy. We're called to be different. Let's redeem this month for Jesus. We can't worry about everybody else, but what about us? Can we be obedient? Can, can we be like Daniel? Yeah, I, 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 I can do that. I can't change the world, but I can do that. You can do that. We can do that. 
and let's see what God wants to do. It'll be bigger than what we ask. I know that every time. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.